I mean, we're, we're about to finish this series, and it's an exciting day, so you might want to get up a little pep in your step because it's December 26th. It is the last Sunday of the year, and we are excited to hear the Word of God, what He has for us as He closes the book. It's an interesting uh, topic. I am really excited. I, um, I told my wife uh, last night, I said, you know, I-, I could probably study this for 10, 12 more weeks before I preached this sermon. And she was like, you know, it's December 26th. We, we got to get, uh, you know, a sermon that is applicable and able to hear and understand for our people. So here it is, all right? And um, we're ending our series on the tree. And this, this idea of the tree of life, it bookends the entire Bible. We've been studying this theme from the tree in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life. And then you see this picture of the burning bush, the tree on fire as God presents himself to Moses. And then you see the, the, the cursed tree or the dead tree in which Jesus is hung on for you what hope just sung to us about Christ being born to give his life for you. And as we study this theme, I, I think that what is it's turned in for me is that God wants to dwell among his people. Amen? You see, the Lord created man to be in his presence to partake of his divine life, and it's pictured by this tree of life. It was God and man there in the garden. And we've seen that this paradise has been lost. There's certain glimpses of paradise throughout the scriptures. We've seen it where God dwells with his people, meets with his people, and yet paradise has been lost. We see throughout the Bible, God gives us glimpses of this garden, Eden, again and again. Moses in the burning bush, the tabernacle as God dwells with his people, ultimately the temple in Jerusalem, God's holy city, now a garden-like place with God's presence dwelling among his people David, remember, the king brings the Ark of the Covenant up to the Temple Mount. But time and time again, God's people choose their own way. They set up these false trees of life. They create idols upon these high places. So much so that the prophets would tell the people, Isaiah specifically, that you've created A false Eden here in Jerusalem, worshiping false gods. And ultimately, last week we saw Jesus, God coming to dwell among his people, Emmanuel, God with us. John 1.14 describes this picture that we celebrated Christmas on. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt, almost tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the womb itself is, like, is almost like a garden. God plants this seed, and through the Holy Spirit, life begins. 
In Hebrew, the word for infertility is literally unrooted. It's in the ground, yet not connected to the divine gift of life. So even in this womb, it's like a a garden which the Holy Spirit comes to dwell with man. And God's plan of redemption of his people to make new creations has begun because Jesus was born. The kingdom of heaven has come down to us. And Jesus, while he's here on earth, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says that we must be connected to this Jesus. He says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Isaiah, the prophet, who talks about these false Eden in Jerusalem, he ends his book by talking about one who will come, who will suffer for the people in their place, take their sins upon himself. And then he ends his book with the promise of a new Jerusalem, a new garden-like place where God will dwell with his people. A better Eden, if you will, and we're going to see this in Revelation coming to fulfillment. We're going to see this come to fulfillment with us one day as we look to the hope of eternal life in the new Jerusalem. And at the very end of the Bible, in this new Jerusalem, there is something called the tree of life. The Bible ends where it began. God dwelling with man in the place where heaven meets earth. And there is the tree of life in this place called the new Jerusalem. If you'll turn with me to the last page of your Bible... To Revelation chapter 22, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 and see this beautiful picture of what heaven will be like. If you'll stand and read of God's word as we do here at Northwest, we believe the word of God is living and active. It is the holy scriptures and God's word to us. And we honor that by reading God's word standing in Revelation chapter 22 verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign 
forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. You can be seated. Father, we thank you for this morning, December 26th, as we have celebrated and as we have had such a great Christmas. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have of eternal life. We thank you that these things that we struggle with, all of the things that we have gone through this year will pass away and you will make all things new for us. Lord, we are um, people who wait for a better time, a better place in which we will see you fully, as you are fully known. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your church, the hope that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you guys had a great Christmas. I hope you got everything that you ever wanted. As, uh, as I've become in my old age now, I have uh, come to recognize the difference between an imitation and the real thing, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about as far as your gifts. This year, I asked for a popcorn bucket for Christmas. Now, you may say, Rob, why are you asking for a popcorn bucket? That's what you do when you get old is you ask for these, uh, these weird things that nobody really wants. A popcorn bucket. Now, for popcorn lovers, you know what I'm talking about. You have three different kinds of, of popcorn in this bucket. You have the butter and the cheesy kind. And sometimes there's a sweet kind. You have the, the caramel popcorn. You know what I'm talking about. And, and now they sell them at Walmart. They're five dollars if you're if you're wondering. And in mid December, one of these tins finds its way into our house. I'm not really sure. Maybe one of you bought it for us. I'm not sure. I hope not. But I, I think so. Um, maybe my wife bought it. I'm not sure exactly how it found its way into our house in mid December. But I, I I was excited. I mean, I began eating this popcorn. Uh, Yet, yet one night in the middle of my popcorn barrage, right, as you, you just keep eating, I realized this, this really isn't the same, is it? It's, it's not the, the gourmet popcorn that I remember at Grandma's house, is it? And um, it's more of a cheap imitation, really. It's the Walmart, $5 kind. It's not that gourmet, only store, only popcorn in the store kind of popcorn. And, and, and I, I began thinking, man, I'm kind of longing for something more, right? L- longing for something better. And, uh, well, Christmas came, and my last present, last present this year, was a gourmet popcorn bucket. There, there still is a store in Oklahoma City that sells gourmet popcorn. And last night I had a, had a bit of popcorn. And, uh, and my wife came up to me and she said, can I have a little bit? And I said, of course. It's, it's for us to share. And she, she was worried that it was just for me. But, uh, but uh, it, it is. But everything that you that you enjoy here on this earth, it, it's just a sliver. It's a glimpse of what it will be like in, in heaven. 
you think about that, um, everything that you really enjoy on this earth is good, pleasing. God created it for our enjoyment. Will not heaven be that much more beautiful? It's not a cheap imitation, is it? It'll be the real thing. Relationships, right? But walk with the Lord. His presence, fullness of his presence. The, the beauty of nature and his creation, animals, the plants, beauty, Garden of Eden, the food, creativity, arts, culture, song, music. All of these things are described in Revelation. It's happening in heaven. You see, the church is meant to be a glimpse or, of what heaven will be like when God's people worship together. Often on this earth, and maybe this past year, 2021, we've been reminded that this is not heaven. This earth, the place where we live is, well, corrupted, right? On Christmas morning, we, we actually woke up to a text that the church had been broken into. Somebody, somebody just kicked our window in to the church. And windows can be replaced, right? I mean, they can. But there is a realization of the wickedness and sin, the great reminder for the need of the gospel here on 23rd and Drexel. It's a reminder for us. We've had this happen the last two years. Last year it was on New Year's Day. And this year it was on Christmas Day. C.S. Lewis speaks of heaven often. If you've ever read any of his books, he speaks on heaven often. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. It says this, Aim at heaven, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get neither. It, it seems a strange rule, but some, something like it can be seen at work in other matters. Health is a great blessing. But the moment you make health one of your main direct objects, you start becoming a crank and imagining there's something wrong with you. You're only likely to get health provided you want with other things, more like food, games, work, fun, open air. In the same way, we shall never save civilization as long as civilization is our main object. We must learn to want something else even more. Lewis shows us here in this quote that to gain people, to gain people who will be in heaven one day, we not, must not focus upon people, but we must focus our desire upon God himself if we are to reach the nations for Christ. This is really what our life is about. God each gave us a, a taste of himself. The almighty God has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, which the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that we do not see God clearly, but in a mirror dimly, 
Second, First Corinthians thirteen twelve says this: For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part; then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. See, the goal in the Christian life is not to attain more in this life, but to in, to love God and enjoy Him forever. Desiring God himself and finding full satisfaction in him becomes the aim of Christians in this life. We are preparing ourselves for heaven. As Revelation begins in this book, John writes to seven churches in Asia, some struggling, others being persecuted, others find... uh, teaching false things, others allowing false teachings, and still others losing their fervor for the Lord, being lukewarm. And, and each time Christ is calling his church back to himself. Remember your first love. Don't tolerate the false teaching in God's church. Be strong, overcome. And to the church in Ephesus, Christ says in Revelation 2, 7, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To the overcomer in this life, God will grant to eat from the tree of life, in the paradise of God. In the Greek, paradise is a transliterated word from a Persian word, paradisa. It's transliterated like we translate baptism. It's a Greek word, baptizo. We translate it into our language. It means the exact same thing. But in Persian, paradisa means garden. Then I hope you... It's an incredible picture. It's returning us to God's garden, paradise. And at the end of this book, what happens in chapter 20 is Satan is defeated. There's a great white throne of judgment. And John describes this book, or in this judgment in detail. And those whose names are not written in the book of life are thrown into the lake of fire. Let me read it for you. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Sea is representative of the chaos, the enemy. Remember the beast rises up out of the sea in Revelation? There is no more sea. There, Satan, death, all of this has been defeated. It is a new Jerusalem, a new holy city. There is no sea, new heavens and a new earth. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
a new city, a new creation coming down from heaven. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Heaven now coming to earth in the new Jerusalem. And what will God do on the heaven meets earth, which is representative of the new garden, the new Jerusalem. Remember we talked about Jerusalem being this garden-like place. Verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And I'm reading this because I want you to see what is happening in the biblical narrative as it leads up to chapter 22. And he goes on in in chapter 21 to tell about the beauty of the city and the incomparable glory of God that will inhabit the city. Have you ever wondered why the streets are gold? I mean, really, right? Where you walk the streets, they become dirty. Why would, why would you make the streets gold? Uh, I, I believe it's highlighting the fact that the glory is not in the streets. But it's in the glory of God himself. Look at verse 10 with me in chapter 21. And he carried me away. In the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. Verse 11, having the glory of God. It's radiance like a most rare jewel like jasper clear as crystal. You see, the the evidence that the streets are gold is because God's glory is way better than streets of gold. The street is gold. But God's glory is way more radiant, way more beautiful than any street, than any gold. And then he says in verse 22 here, let's read it together. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light, and its light lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. 
but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So this will be like Eden, but it will be better. Why? Because there will be no more threat of deception, chaos, lies. The doors will be open because evil has been vanquished. And God's presence is fully felt and fully known in this place. We will have new glorified bodies and now we will see God face to face as we were created to do. Partake of his divine presence together with him in this beautiful new Jerusalem. Let's look at verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river, the water of light, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb to the middle of the street of the city also on either side of the river the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations this is our point number one this morning and it's thus god is the source of life god is the source of life john who writes revelation is giving this beautiful picture as he sees this vision As God gives him this vision of this river of life flowing from where? The throne of God and the throne of the Lamb. And in this beautiful river there is a tree and it's called the tree of life being nourished by the water of life that comes from the giver, the source of life. God's presence being given to produce this tree of life. And this tree is on both sides of the river. The fulfillment of Ezekiel 47 it shows the prosperity or the life that God gives. It's on both sides of the river. Psalm 1 also describes this, a tree planted by streams of water. That yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. And what is he talking about in Psalm 1? He's talking about a man who delights in the word of God. Who delights in God himself. He is like a tree. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. He meditates on the living word of truth. He delights in the great God of the universe who created all things, who came down from heaven to be born as a baby, to give his life for all of his creation so that they could enter into his presence to be made clean and holy and righteous. see, the person who delights in God is the person who will enter into the new Jerusalem. 
the person who believes and places his full trust and faith upon Christ will enter into the new Jerusalem. And they will produce fruit. This tree of life produces fruit. You see, there are a lot of cheap imitations of God himself. We call those things idols, and we set those up all the time as mankind sets up idols for themselves, a cheap imitation of a God. We see this all over the world, and we see this result of creating our own idols, our own ambitions, or even creating ourselves to be God. What does it lead to? What it led to in the Garden of Eden, death, separation from God for all eternity. And the giver of life who is there in the New Jerusalem, he's asking the question, are you thirsty? He is the living water. As the living water is coming through Will you take and eat of life? Or will you go your own way into death? So December 26th, I've, I've said this to a couple people today, but it's probably one of the hardest days for most people in the world. <clears throat> for so long, we have all been looking forward to Christmas, those late night shopping, eating way too many cookies, and you got all these presents and family, and now life begins again, December 26th. You have to try and fit into your pants, okay? You have to go back to work, try to pay for all those presents you just bought and paid for. All your problems are still there, but there is hope. God is saying, look to the source of life, not the cheap imitations. The tree here is producing 12 kinds of fruit. The Bible, the 12, the number 12 is significant, represents God's people. First is 12 tribes of Israel, then the 12 disciples or apostles. Represents God's people. And thus, when you envision this tree, you ought to think about the giver of life producing a new humanity, which produces fruit. For the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we are connected to Christ, we will be like Christ. We will produce fruit of the Spirit of the living God. The only way back to God, the source and giver of life is Christ himself who wants to make you like a tree planted by streams of water that produce and show his nature, that reflect his image. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. And this fruit we partake of, God's divine nature and character himself reproduce in our own life. And this tree in this new Jerusalem is also providing healing. And it's specifically healing for the nations. The nations were torn from one another in the Tower of Babel. They created this false Eden. They erected this false way to get to heaven, to make a name for themselves. And it was broken. The nations were split apart. Now God is bringing healing to the nations as they are unified in the new Jerusalem by the Lamb as the God himself provides them healing. Oh, the pain and the suffering of the world in which we live. The separation from God. Many of these nations have been away from God for many, many years. Suffered, living in death and sin. And God himself is providing his healing through himself. Giving the water of life to run through to give this tree to the nations. Oh Lord, our nation is in need of healing. We are a people in need of the God of life, the giver of life to bring us healing in 2021. Verse 22, I'm sorry, chapter 22. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. This is point number two. God is making all things new. We just read this a second ago, but I'm going to read it again. Revelation 21, 5. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for the words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Why does God have to make it new? Why does he have to create a new heaven and a new earth? Because it was broken. The world was cursed. Death was the curse that resulted from sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 26 says, The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Revelation 20, 14, Death, in fact, is the last 
to be thrown into the lake of fire. There will no longer be anything accursed. Why? Because it has been made new. In the new Jerusalem, the gates are never shut. Why? Because there's no fear of evil coming in. It has been made new. And we look forward to being made new. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are, but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let me keep going. Chapter 5. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan. In this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but that we should be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Amen? We are preparing in this life. This light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. We are preparing for what, Rob? To see the face of God. You are preparing. To enter into the presence of God. He is making all things new. All the pain of this cursed earth is preparing us to be clothed in righteousness. Preparing us for the worship of the Lamb. It is a desire for God himself that's shaping our hearts. His bride, the church, for the meeting of God himself. We are preparing church. Whether you're 10 years old or whether you're 95 years old, you are preparing to meet the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth and the lamb who was slain for you. God is sanctifying his church. And he gives you a new heart to love God and to live for him. He gives you his Spirit, what if you knew how many days you had left to live? Rob, you have three years. David, you have 30 years. Jordan, you have 50 years. We, we often think about this and how we would prepare And, and our, our minds go directly 
for how we would prepare to leave this earth. How, how we will set up our, our children, how we finish our, our work, how we make sure that our estate and our will is right. Well, there's this bucket list. I really like to go to Czechoslovakia. But, but as the people of God, I, I want us to think differently. What if our thoughts and our first thoughts is how we could prepare to see God face to face? How we could spend our days preparing to see and meet with our Creator? Verse 4, they will see His face and His name will be on their forehead. Are you ready to meet your creator? How will you spend the rest of your life getting ready for the new Jerusalem? They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever. Endeavor. This is our third point this morning. The glory of God will shine in its fullness. The glory of God will shine in its fullness. Exodus 33 has, has a, a passage about Moses, and he, and, he, and he says to the Lord, Show me your glory. The Lord responds in verse 19. He says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back but my face shall not be seen this is Moses remember the burning bush the Lord speaks to Moses right Remember the, the plagues in which he goes to Pharaoh and turns the Nile into blood and a lot of things happen. God's like, you can't see my face, Moses. You can't see his face. And yet, at the end of the book, it says they will see his face. John even writes about this in his, in his gospel. He says in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The Lamb has made God known. So in the new Jerusalem, we will see the face God. What a day we will look forward to. We will see our God 
and Savior. We will see him in the fullness of his glory, no longer veiled, but in all his glory. The name on the forehead, we are God's people, is allusion instead of to the mark of the beast. We will be God's treasured possession stemming from the Shema back in the Old Testament as God's holy people for his possession. There won't be a night, there will be no darkness because God himself will shine in all his glory. 1 Peter 2.9 says it best, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, we are a royal priesthood, that royal theme there. We will reign with him. They will, we will, it says at the end, they will reign forever and ever that they is us. We're a royal priesthood. We are going to serve God. We will worship God with him as kings and queens, heirs of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because that's what was intended in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 1, 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created for mankind to reign and rule his creation, to take care of it, to work it, to guard it. The Garden of Eden was to expand. God's presence was there in the garden. It was to expand to cover the whole earth. That's what will happen in the new Jerusalem. Revelation 7, 9, after we we have just exegeted this passage, I really wanted to read this to bring it all together. Because this is what it looks like. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and their four living creatures, and they fell on their face before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power might be to our God forever and amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence, 
They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Look at with me and one more thing. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14. What does it say? Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, so that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, sexual immoral, murderers, and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Blessed are those who wash their robes. What does that mean? We just read what it meant. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13. Who are these clothed in white robes and where have they come? These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. How do we enter this new Jerusalem? How do we enter into the presence of God How do we see God face to face? How do we eat from life, the source and the river of life? How do we eat from the tree of life? How do we live eternally as reigning and ruling with Christ the Lamb and God himself? How do we experience this beautiful garden in the presence of God himself? We wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. The picture of heaven. The picture in which we enter into the presence of God. My question for you, church, this morning is this How will you prepare to enter into the Lord's presence? For all eternity. Let's pray.